a great job. We are blessed. We are blessed. Well, we're starting a, a series uh, this week called uh, A Meeting Place. And um, it's going to be about, um, I don't know how long it will last until, until it's done. But it's about having God-focused worship. And worship is a hot topic in church. Uh, many churches experience trouble, difficulties, disunity, splits, all kind of stuff because of worship. Um, and I've heard that so much uh, over the course of, of my ministry of how uh, divisive worship could be. And, and I'm going to have to call foul on that because true worship never divides anybody. Uh, wrong worship can divide anybody, <laughs> but true worship towards God never divides anybody, never brings brothers against each other or brings a split or any of that stuff. And um, I'm going to take my text from John chapter 4, but we're going to lead into this. And I need your help this morning. Um, uh, and don't freak out. I, I'm not a, a person that uh, wants you to get up and go talk to your neighbor or any of that stuff. Um, some of your neighbors aren't worth talking to this morning. Um, but I want you to make up your mind right here before we get started, uh, because I'm giving you just the, the public service announcement. There's going to be offensive content this morning. And what I need from you is this. I want you to say in your heart, you don't even have to say it out loud, because it doesn't matter if you say it out loud, but don't mean it from your heart. I won't be offended. I won't be offended. Pastor, you, you preach like you're supposed to preach. Give us the word, and I won't be offended. Is that all right? You, you ready? All right. So from the very beginning, God has always wanted to be in tight relationship with his people. And he created his own people. And there's a passage in Exodus chapter 33 where he, he actually calls to Moses and throughout most of Exodus uh, in the 30s, he's talking about, he starts to download to them, I want you to build me a tabernacle. I want you to build me this place where I come and I meet with you. I want to come and, and there's a, a, an actual way that I want to be worshipped. Now, right there may be offensive to you. There are certain ways that God wants to be worshipped and there's other ways he doesn't want to be worshipped. And if we're going to worship God, we need to find out how God wants to be worshipped. Does that make sense? Because I think there's times, and, and here's, uh, uh, I'm not going to do this all the time, but I'm gonna, I'll give you the ease in this morning. Prepare for offensive content. If you need a certain song, if you need a, a prophecy, if you need a special feeling, if you need a message in tongues, if you need a certain type of lighting, if you need uh, a sup, something, something of a guitar solo or a special word, you're an idol worshiper. Our focus in being here is to please the Lord God Almighty. Now, if all that stuff happens, awesome. It's, it's, it's just gravy. But when we have to have that or, or we sequester ourselves, I'm not coming in until after worship is over. You're an idol worshiper because you're worshiping you and your preferences or your style or your, and it doesn't mean that you can't worship God in that, but when we come to corporate worship, it's all about him. Whether I like it or not, whether I enjoy it or not, whether the lights are on or off or power or no power, screens, no screens, it has nothing to do with any of that because it's not about that at all. And we have to just wrap our minds around the fact that our whole world is catering to us and making us focus on us. And if worship is about us, it's not worship. It's just music. Or it's just a segment. Or it's just some genre. And it's not about that at all. Worship is for and to God alone. Or it's not worship. All right? We okay? All right. Now that was easy stuff. So hang on. It's all right. So he prepares this, and it's a very detailed thing of what he expects. And one of the things that is awesome is that God knew that as we transitioned out of the Old Testament into the New Testament, and we've got to remember God's the same God from the Old Testament to the New Testament, right? God is unchanging. God is God. 
He sends his son as the full embodiment of himself to show that I really want a worship that goes beyond walls. I want a worship that goes beyond tents and sacrifices and knives and blood and bulls and goats. And I want something, I want a type of worship that happens from the inside of people. And I still want to meet with them there. I don't want to be on the outside surrounded by tents and distance. I really have desired since the very beginning that you and I would find a meeting place. Not just on Sunday, not just during church services. I want a meeting place with you every day, at any time. That I will meet with you, and when you focus on me, the results and the benefits come back to you. But when you focus on you, you get no benefit, no results. It just stimulates your flesh. And there's been way too many times, not only preaching, preaching is a form of worship, the offering is a form of worship. We've, we've catered to worship thinking that it's just a certain time on Sundays, but worship is so much more than that. And so I want to take these, these next several weeks, however long this takes, to, to help us have a right attitude and a proper heart about what worship really is. Because I think way too many people today think that worship is just a, a song segment. I shared on Wednesday night with uh, the group, the first church that Melissa and I started full-time ministry as youth pastors. Um, they, they didn't have a worship service. They had song service. And I look back now, because of the focus and all the difficulty that was going on, I was like, at least they were honest enough not to call it worship. It was just songs. We like to sing these songs. And we like to sing these verses of these songs. And we like to turn to page 42 in the hymnal. And we like to sing this. So this is the song service. Well, if it's about me, 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 I, 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 this is the thing, and let's only do certain verses, who is the focus of the worship? And so I, I can be thankful that they didn't call it worship. It was just a song service. But can I tell you this morning, God deserves more than a song service? He deserves more than some uh, emotional tug from our preaching, from our worship to try to stir you up. Because if you have to be stirred up, it's not worship. Worship is when I realize how destitute I am and I am in need of a Savior God. I am in need of a risen Jesus Christ. And that causes me to be joyful and spontaneous and my heartbeat is for Him. No matter what happens during this time, when, when I step up here to worship, you all disappear. It's not that I don't love you, but my focus isn't on you during my time. It's on Him. And if we can get in that mode, then it doesn't matter how I sound or what they're saying. And, and if the song uh, uh, kind of services you, awesome. If it draws you into that, His presence, awesome. But if it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's okay to just check out and shift into neutral. And, well, that's not kind of my song, and I didn't like those songs. And you're an idol worshiper. You're worshiping you. Because it doesn't matter what you like. That's the problem. We, we see the Old Testament, and it didn't matter what they liked. He said, this is the requirement. He didn't say, I don't know, what do you guys think? How should you worship me? He didn't offer that. He knew we didn't know how. And we still, many times, don't know how. So we want to do our best to help us. And, and again, no guilt, no condemnation, but just a, maybe a, a light bulb going on saying, maybe I need to rethink what worship is. Okay? And if you find out you've been doing it wrong, no guilt, no condemnation, but now you get the opportunity to change and to line yourself up with God's Word. Because if you're not going to line yourself up with God's words, what is the use? Why are you here? It's for us to line up with Him, not to have Him line up with us, right? So let's get into this this morning. Let's ask just the biggest question of all that we started with, what is worship? And remember, we're going to not be offended, right? I won't be offended. I won't be offended. And again, it doesn't matter what you say with your mouth. It has to do with what's in your heart. So first and foremost, worship is for who? Not us. That's the hardest part right there this morning. If we can, if we can get over that big hill, 
Worship is for God. Right? Okay. So let's make this really practical. Let's bring it down to our church right here. And again, remember you you said you weren't going to be offended. When our time to worship God comes, you shouldn't be hanging out in the foyer. You shouldn't be coming in 45 minutes late, skipping worship. You're dishonoring God. You're not changing us. You're dishonoring God. Because worship is for Him. And when you say, ah, it's okay. Ah, it doesn't matter. Oh, I'm checked out. Or, hey, ah. I don't really like that style of worship anyway. I just, I just need to hear preaching. No, you don't. You can do that at home. You can read this word and it'll transform your life. But you better not bail on worship. Worship is the part of any service, both private and corporate, where it's all focused on him. And when we take that away and we make it about us, it's not worship. And we're basically thumbing our noses at God and saying, you know, you really don't matter. Don't be offended. Just realize that if that's you, you've got some changing to do. Because by your efforts, by your actions, you're revealing how much or how little you love God. And you can say, I know somebody somebody right now just said, Pastor, you have no idea how much I love God. Yes, I do. I can see the fruit of your life. Even Jesus says that, right? A tree will be known by its fruit. And I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to hopefully educate us to find a style of worship, not a musical genre, not a, a length or a guitar-driven or a, a, a organ-driven, none of that. There, there was worship way before there was that. There was worship before there was electricity. But the mindset and the heart lining up to want to worship God with all that we are and all that he deserves. Worship, that word, is a compressed form of that old English term, worthship. It means to give someone or something worth to attribute value through communication or demonstration. I demonstrate how valuable something is. I communicate how valuable something is. Back, I mean, even in bartering, it's like, I'll trade you two ducks, so I've got a quantity for a quart of wood. I'm demonstrating there's value here. If I say that quart of wood is no good, I'm communicating no value. Even though you brought the quart of wood, you cut the quart of wood, you did what, but I'm demonstrating there's no value in it to me. I don't want the quart of wood. I want the cheeseburger for my two ducks. And in doing so, I have found and communicated what I value, right? That makes sense? So don't think, as long as I show up and I'm on the premises, don't think as long as I stand up and just kind of mouth the words, don't think that that demonstrates any value. What's demonstrated value is what's coming from our heart and from our actions. Sometimes our posture, but not always. Somebody can sit down and, and be quiet and be in deep worship with the Lord. And somebody can be up jumping around and they're just excited and not even thinking about Jesus. They're just caught up in the moment. I just love that guitar. Well, if you just love the guitar, that's idol worship. (laughs) This literal Greek word, this brospuneo, means to bow ourselves down and to extend ourselves, to reach towards. Think about that for a minute. Does that demonstrate or communicate value? We tend to pull away from things that we don't find exciting. We tend to pull away from things that tend to be repellent, right? We don't embrace those things. Oh, look, a snake. How nice, awesome. We tend to pull away. (laughs) And this thought process is that I am reaching towards God. I I, I can't even stand in His presence. Look at this. It's to... To bow myself down to say, Lord, I mean, they were so so enamored with God that they were afraid to look at him because of his might and his glory. 
and yet they're, they're in this close proximity, and they're like, Lord, this is, this is awesome, but I don't know what to do. And they just knew that they were supposed to kneel before him and, and to understand and give him reverence. And, and think about this. This is a people that had been in bondage that knew what it was to bow before a pharaoh. But they wouldn't bow before a God? It's a big question. And it's not all about the external. So don't hear what I'm not saying. But how about your heart? Does your heart bow down to him? Does your heart reach out to him? Are you distracted? Are you focused on something else? Are you looking around? And, and sometimes even worship is about our own voice. I love to sing these songs. also another word which means to revere, to adore, or to be devout towards. You see, did any of those things talk about music or instruments? Because here's the kicker, folks. Worship is a lifestyle, not a musical time. Music can be added, yes. But if it requires music for you to worship, Maybe you're worshiping music. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing? And why am I doing it this way? And it's going to be hard for some of you. I know, because you've, you've fallen into a pattern. This is how I've been taught. And this is how I saw mommy and mammy and all those people before me do it. And that doesn't mean that it wasn't wrong. Many of us have picked up patterns that we don't know any different, but it doesn't mean it's right just because three or four people before us have done it. And it also doesn't mean that just because they did it differently back then that it's wrong. Worship without guitars and keyboards and drums and smoke and lights isn't wrong. <laughs> because it's all about heart motivation, not about the lyrics or the tone or the beat to revere to adore. Think about that. I'm going to respect God so much that it's not about me. I'm going to adore Him. I'm going to pour out my heart to Him. I'm going to tell Him how wonderful He is. I'm going to keep reaching towards Him. I'm going to bow my heart and my life down. We sang that song this morning and that great verse that says, with all of my life, not just with the words of my mouth, not just with my Sunday hour, not just with all of my... See, that's worship. When your lifestyle begins to line up with who God is and what He wants, that's worship. If not, again, I'm, I'm thankful that you're here and I'm thankful that you sang, but He's worth more than that. And it will change your life if you'll allow it to be worth more than that. Because guess what? He exists whether we worship or not. The benefit will be ours. As we worship Him, He changes us with His presence. As we worship Him, really worship Him, and focus on Him, our spirit lines up with Him. As we worship Him, really worship Him, not just with music, but with our lifestyle, then all of a sudden we have transformed lives and we can have the abundant life that Jesus came and died for. Not a worship life, but everything else will be lined up properly if we can get this right. If we don't worship, the preaching doesn't hit us. If we don't worship as, and we don't read the Word, and again, we're fighting a losing battle that we must have proper atmosphere and proper attitude about worship to change our lives. And we should want our lives to be changed. I want to give you a quick contrast here between old and new worship. And again, make the switch here early on so that the rest of the series will be okay for you. When I say worship, it's not about music. Okay? Genesis 22, look at what Abraham says. He says to his, his workers, his servants, I want you to stay here with the donkey. The boy and I are going to travel a little farther and we will... Now, anybody know that story? You know what he's going to do? 
He's going to take his one and only son, his son of blessing, his son of promise, the thing he has waited 20 years for. He doesn't have a replacement. He's going to take his most valuable possession and he's going to offer it up to God as a sacrifice. And we would say, how barbaric that God would ask for his son's life. You've got to read the story. But isn't it interesting that Abraham knew that when I go to give something important and valuable, ultimately important to God, that's worship. Because he is worth it. He gave me this son, and he can ask for this son back if he chooses to. And the benefits came back to Abraham. Guess what? God stopped him and said, don't hurt your son. I want you to keep the son. But now that you've shown that you know how to worship me, now your life can take off. And he became rich and powerful, and he became the founder of faith in the Bible for all believers. That now he has a title, Father Abraham. The father that began those that searched for and worshiped God instead of the gods of the nations. It's funny that he says, we're going to worship you. And you see the faith in this. Again, you've got to read your word. You've got to be people of the word. Notice he didn't say, I'm going to go worship and I'm going to come back. You see, he knew who God was. He didn't fully comprehend what was going to happen, but he could trust God that uh, we're going to go up the mountain, and I don't know how he's going to do it because he told me I have to sacrifice my son, but we're going to come back. See, that's worship. I revere you, Lord. I trust what you say even when I don't fully get it. I'm going to trust you and revere you even when it conflicts with my agenda and my attitude and my flesh. That's worship. Because we're assigning the worth and the power and the decision with him instead of me. And far too often, especially in our modern churches, uh, most of our life is centered on us. Most of the preaching is centered on us. Most of the worship is centered on us. Everything that we're doing in our life, how our lives are lining up is more and more and more about us. And that's why it's hard to connect with a God that says, I want you to come and die. I want you to change your identity into my identity. Another verse that we sang this morning is that I will be found in him. All too often we think, no, I'm going to have him in me. And yes, he is in you. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, and it's incredible. It's there to help us worship because the Spirit is always willing and the flesh is weak. Your spirit is always ready to worship God. It's always ready to submit to God. It's our flesh that isn't. And then the new, look what he says. He gives this long discourse about God wanting a tabernacle that's not made with human hands, that it's going to be Jesus Christ, that Jesus in himself fulfills all of the Old Testament worship. And and we'll get into that maybe later, but I don't need you to be Old Testament worshipers. I need us to be people that worship God, a risen Savior, a risen Lord. And there is a pattern and a way that he asks us to do it. Now, i got to be fully honest this morning, and this isn't even offensive, so don't recoil. God never commands worship. It's a free will. Because he didn't need little robots. I will worship the Lord because it's duty. I'll worship the Lord so that I escape death. That's not worship. That's fear. And some people have even been taught that. I come to church. I come to worship out of fear. I don't want to go to hell. But my lifestyle has nothing to do with the Bible. And I'm going to sing because I'm expected to. And I'll put up with all that stuff they're doing up there. But that's nothing about the value of God or how you feel about him. It's all out of duty. You just followed a pattern. And I'm not blaming you this morning. You probably learned how you learned. (laughs) But today's a day where he can make things new. Today's a day to move past what has been into what will be. And so thank God for Jesus Christ and this era of grace. Because in the old days, if you worshiped wrong, 
Bad stuff happens, dude. <laughs> okay? And there were certain things that God says, not acceptable. Not acceptable. And in our world today, it's like, what do you mean there would be something unacceptable to God? I really wanted to give him this. And he's like, you may have, but that's unacceptable. Hebrews 13 says this, let us offer through who? Not a worship leader, not a pastor, not my own effort. Our efforts come through Jesus, a a what? Do you see what I'm talking about, lifestyle? Not just a Sunday. Notice it didn't say a Sunday or Sabbath sacrifice. See, that was a pattern at one time. There was a time where it was time for you to go do your sacrifice. Now he says, I've changed that. I've actually not done away with that. I've actually elevated it so that now it's a continual, it's lifestyle worship. How you raise your kids shows how much you value me. How you spend your money shows how much you value me. How you treat your spouse shows how much you value me. How you work at your workplace shows how you value me. How you think about me when you're not thinking about anything shows me how you value me or not. It's a continual, and notice what he says, a sacrifice of praise to That's a powerful little package right there, right? Continual sacrifice. What's that mean? It means it costs you something. And something's got to die. And that something is your flesh and your desires and your plans. And you say, if this is what it requires, I'll lay it down. And he gives us life in return. And joy. And peace. And on and on and on. But we think... Yeah, he's a God that takes. He takes your sin, and he takes your shame, and he takes all that mess, and he gives something good in return. So yes, he is a God that takes, but he's never going to take anything that won't benefit you in the future. But that means we have to change our thinking. We're going to give a continual sacrifice of praise. That means when I don't feel like it, I'm giving it to him anyway. That means when maybe I feel like he hasn't really been good to me this week, I give it anyway. That means it doesn't matter what happened this week. It doesn't matter if it was hard or some Christian was mean to me or somebody said something or should have said something and didn't say something. All of that mess has nothing to do with how it impacts our worship because it's a sacrifice. I honor him by it doesn't matter how I feel. And some of you, you, you rationalize that by saying, but then I'm being a hypocrite. No, you're not. He deserves our worship and our praise, whether you feel like it or not. And if you're going to go with that pattern, then I say treat your workplace the same way. Hey, boss, yeah, I, I didn't feel like coming in today. And I'd like a raise. Hello? He hung up on me. Boss, I'm leaving at lunch today. Uh, Are you sick? Something wrong? Ah, I just don't feel like working. Have a good day now. See you tomorrow, I hope. You think that works? So what we're really showing is that our work is much more valuable Our paycheck is much more valuable. Our play toys are much more valuable than creator, God, everlasting, king of all kings. And maybe you weren't thinking that way, but our fruit shows what we value. I think it was D.L. Moody that says, you show me your calendar and you show me your pocketbook, I'll tell you who you worship. Ouch. (laughs) Ouch. Worship is not music. It can be worship, but that doesn't mean that there has to be worship. It's not lyrics. Some of you think rap music could never be worship. Yes, it certainly can. And the Grand Old Opry and heavy metal and everything in between because it's about a heart issue about God, not about the tone or the instruments or how long their hair is or what they look like or the style in which they play. If it's God-focused and you're giving of reverence and honor and glory, it's worship. 
And if you look great with a suit and a tie and it's quiet and it's reverent and you're just thinking, man, these people love how I sing. It ain't worship. Worship is a lifestyle of willingly, I'm doing this because, not because it's a bill to be paid. And maybe that's the spot we got to nail down on this morning. Do you really believe that you owe him your life for what he's done for you? Or is it some tedious bill? Man, this whole Sunday thing is just another added stress. This whole change in my life thing, it's like, ah, I like my life. Maybe, just maybe you haven't encountered God the way I have, where I'm willing to lay whatever down. <laughs> and it's difficult. When I get paid to do this, it's difficult. But he had a lot of stuff and mess he had to clean up in my life. And the fact that he would choose me and save me and allow me to preach his word is a privilege. <laughs> it's not a paycheck. I would do this without getting paid. I've done it without getting paid. <laughs> and you should do it without getting paid. Because if we pay for it, then we've somehow earned it. And we can't earn his grace and his salvation of actually allowing God to pour us out as the sacrifice. And our job is to focus on Him. I'm doing this for Him. I I now go to work with a different mindset because I'm doing it for Him. I'm raising my kids different than my mom raised me because I'm doing it for Him. I'm going to change how I think about things because I'm doing that for Him. I'm going to... And when He becomes the focus, it shows, and that's worship. And that's the wonder of it. If you've got a voice like a strangled frog like me, I can worship God. But you don't want me leading songs. But I can worship. I can make a joyful noise. Anybody can make noise, right? I can make joyful noise. If I can drive three hours as a teenager, not saved, in the back of a pickup in late fall to watch Kiss and stand in a smoky, dope-filled environment with the speaker so loud that I couldn't hear for three days after, holding a lighter hours after hour, can I give some of my life to a God who has set my soul free? And change me from the inside out. All I did for them was buy a ticket. They don't know me. They're not going to follow me home. They're not going to make my life any better. And yet here's a God that will transform us and accept us and call me his son. Kiss never brought me into the house and said, come on in, son. We love you. We're going to take care of you from now on. But God did. And yet for some of us, it acts like, oh, man, this is just too heavy. Thank God we don't have to sacrifice animals. Thank God you don't have to raise bulls and pigeons and goats and pick your choice one and bring them in so that God can say, ooh, that's a good one. And have to slaughter the thing and collect its blood and skin it out and do everything that was required of the time. Thank God that we have transitioned to lifestyle worship instead of knives and blood worship. But for some of us, it seems like, man, even that's too much. Maybe you need a fresh encounter with the Savior instead of a religion. Here's what Jesus wants. You see, there are some today, and I think it's been going on for a long, long time. It's not just a modern time. Some say it doesn't matter how we worship as long as we're sincere. Depends on who you're focusing on, I guess. Jesus shows that he's concerned with both the sincerity of our hearts and the actual form in which he is worshipped. It's not just, hey, do whatever. He has a pattern. 
He has an expectation. And maybe you weren't taught that expectation. That's why I'm here. That's why this series, that we can understand who we are and what our role is in God-focused worship. But to just do it however I feel like it, whenever I feel like it, doesn't fly, folks. It's not what he asked. It's not the pattern he set up. If all three parts of us, mind, body, and spirit, aren't engaged, aren't focused on the triune God, then truly we are not fully worshiping. And have no doubts, folks. He does not want our leftovers. When you barely made it to church because you closed down the bar and you're here hungover, distracted, distraught, (laughs) and drunk, just because you're in the house doesn't mean you're worshiping Him. You're worshiping where you were for most of the night. Or, will I make sure that I'm ready and rested and prepared and enter into the presence of a mighty God to give Him my best? Not my most perfect notes, but the best of who I am, the best in this moment, the best I'm preparing for Sunday, I'm preparing for the best. Not, not my freshly pressed suit, none of that mess on the outside, but am I coming in here to prepare to give Him my best and to give Him my all? And if worship lasts two hours, it lasts two hours. And if it lasts three songs, it lasts three songs. Because it's not about the music. It's about seeking Him. It's about wanting to honor Him. And that's tough for us in a very self-focused world. But I'm telling you, leftover worship is unacceptable to God. You may be giving it, but it doesn't mean He's receiving it. So what kind of worship does Jesus want? It's amazing that he actually tells us. And yet, it's amazing that so few of us actually do the reading. John chapter 4, hopefully you're there. We're going to begin in verse 20. Just five simple verses here. He meets a woman in Samaria, which is a a land apart. They're what they called half-breed Jews. They were had Jewish heritage, but they had intermingled with the Canaanites and the people of that land, and the Jews hated them, and they were basically worse than dogs in their eyes. And yet Jesus had a big mission, and yet he actually says, it, it, I'm supposed to go through, I need to go through Samaria. Why? Because he loves the Samaritans. He loves those people just like he loves everybody else. And he meets this woman, and she's got some questions for him. So tell me, Why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it's here on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? Now notice this. She's not referring back to any facts. She's just like, I've seen all our people worship here. And I see all of your people worship there. I really don't know why you do that. Why do we worship in these two separate spots? Why do the Jews say, nope, it's only here? And why do the Samaritans say, nope, it's only here? It's a good question. Here's what Jesus says. He says, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. So is location an issue for Jesus? Because I would think, and I know, that he expects private worship whether you're in this building or not. Wherever you are, wherever your private place of worship is. It's not about the location. And it goes on. And this is where some of us have to take an account this morning, prepare for offensive material. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. And I'm going to stop right there. This is why worship goes astray, is we aren't people of the Word. We know very little about what God wants and what He expects, and we're not sure we're going to give the time to figure it out. I just want to find a church that does worship the way I like worship, and that's the place I'm going to go. 
How backwards is that? How about I'm going to find the church that does worship because it's in spirit and in truth and it's God-honoring. That's the place I want to go. Hmm, big difference. My question is, do you know what he expects? Do you know what he would reject? Do you know what he's like? Oh, man, now that's worship. And do you know when he would say, that stinks, that is not worship, unacceptable? Do you know? And if you don't, why? Maybe Samaritan training, and you've been trained to give Samaritan worship. This is how we saw. This is how I learned. I don't actually study. I don't really know. I know very little about this God that I say that I'm living for. If that's you this morning, this is a great opportunity to change that. Because there's so much more than just bowing a knee and saying a prayer and hoping it all goes well. There is a Savior to be known. There's a God that wants intimate relationship with you, that will know every last part of you and does know every last part of you and can change you from the inside out and your life will be dramatically different if you want it to be. How much do you know about this Jesus that you say that you love? I think you would be embarrassed if that was your spouse. My wife, we've been married for 20 years. Awesome. What's her middle name? Uh. Mm. What's her favorite flower? Sifted all purpose, I think. I think that's the... It's the one I see her use all the time. Now, the requirement for worship is not to be a Bible scholar. Thank God, right? (laughs) Imagine if it required four years of seminary to be able to worship God. Now, Now, think for just a minute. Don't think me too extreme. What if that was the standard? How many of you would say, I'm out. I choose hell. Because many of us give up years of our life to college for a career. It shows what we value. But I'm, it's about my family. It shows what you value. Do you believe that God can honor your family and take care of your family? Where are we giving worthship to? You know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. Now here's what's funny, and Jesus really is making a little pun here. All the Jews know about it, but we still get it wrong. (laughs) He still had all these interactions with the Pharisees who said they knew all about God, and yet they missed that Jesus was the Christ. So it's not about all the facts. It's not about knowing, hey, on page 72 in my Bible, this is where God said, it's not that at all. It's about wanting to know and be involved with a God who is awesome and great and now should have control of our lives. That's worship. And you don't have to learn an instrument, and you don't have to know the songs. And he goes on, verse 23, look what he says. The time is coming, indeed it's here now. When's a good time to make your change this morning? Now. Now you've been equipped just to this point. Now you know what you didn't know before. Just like Jesus was telling her, I'm showing you what I expect from you, now is a good time. Where he expects us to worship what? Now here's, like I'm saying, offensive material coming. Usually when I hear somebody say this, how are we supposed to worship? In spirit and in truth. And I would say, half right. Because if we're not careful, we begin to worship the spirit or we begin to worship truth. But notice he says we're supposed to worship the Father. In. That's the application. What are we worshiping? Not the Spirit and not the truth. And you could say, but, but there's the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus is the truth. Very good. But who did he say we're supposed to worship? Who did Jesus worship? And if we want to be Jesus followers, who should we worship? 
Now do you see why I say sometimes we fall into idolatry? Because we begin to worship patterns and phrases and spiritual movements. And, and that's not what he told us to worship at all. He said we're supposed to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Again, that three dimension of I'm giving my body, that's part of it, but I'm going to worship in spirit and the truth of how he needs to be worshipped, of how he asked to be worshipped. There's a truth to that. There's a pattern to that. There's a style to that that goes way beyond a Sunday morning, way beyond what any worship team anywhere can do. Because if I'm ready to worship... It doesn't really matter what they do. I'm thankful that they're there to help guide us and to bring us together in corporate worship. But they're not there on Monday. They're not there on Thursday when I've been going through the ringer. And I don't get to just call up Caleb and the worship team. Can you come over to my house? I really need some worship to get through this. And I don't have to turn on the radio. It may help. And if you're a music person, music moves us. It's a vehicle, no doubt. But to require music is not the standard for worship. I'm going to worship in spirit and in truth. Look at this. The Father is looking. And I know you've probably seen this verse before or heard this preached before, but you know what breaks my heart about this? That he doesn't say the Father has found He doesn't say that God has found the people that are worshiping. He's still, at this point, looking. He's searching for those. And do you know what? He's still looking today. Not that people haven't done it, but he's still looking for those that will worship him the way he asked to be worshiped. It's not antiquated. He's not asking for animal sacrifice. He's asking us to do something deeper. And actually, he's ramping it up a little bit more that we're going to worship him in spirit and in truth for those who worship him that, look at that, that way. Notice that there's a way that he wants to be worshiped. For God is spirit. So those who worship him, ask yourself what you're worshiping, must Does your Bible say must? If we're going to worship Him, we must worship Him in tambourines and flags. Aren't you glad He doesn't say that? In words and deeds. Aren't you glad He doesn't say that? In blood and knives. Aren't you glad He doesn't say that? But he gave us such a wide open feel of our personal expression that he is an awesome God. <laughs> that as long as you meet those two requirements, you worship him in spirit. And you worship him in truth. You're truly worshiping him. And you worship with all that is in you. You've met the requirements. Regardless if you sing or not. Regardless if you play or not. Regardless if you're on your knees, in your car, in your shower, at work, you can worship anywhere, anytime, anyhow. If you meet those two requirements. Now, at this point, you may be wondering or just wishing we'd be done. But here's the why behind the what. We've talked about the what, but why even talk about this? Because people are watching and wondering just like the Samaritan woman. I believe heaven is watching and wondering, do you see what they're doing? Do they really love and value the God of all the universe? And if you ever wonder about that, read the Exodus account where they made a golden calf someday. And you see how quickly they went from following God to following a false God. And how it became a big party and it was exciting and there was a a lot of noise and music and dancing and all kinds of stuff going on. It was happening. If somebody were to walk across the desert and see that, they'd be like, man, that is incredible. I think there'd be a lot of people today, look at that modern worship service. That is awesome. 
See, it's not about the energy or the sound or the setting. I believe hell is watching as well. (laughs) Do they really believe? Do they really love him? Or are they just duty-bound, ineffectual, powerless, contemptible, and fruitless people that have learned to sing? I hope that's not the case this morning. And most importantly, the lost are watching. People are watching. If they're not here with us today, how do they see how you worship God? Do they really believe what they say they believe? Does their God really exist? Is he lovable? Does he have this power to save and transform? Is he worth following? Is he worth living for? If they don't see that in us, have we really honored God and shown him worth and value? Or have we just relegated to a song and we should just hand out a CD? Here's how you worship God. Here's how you love God. What a shame. Our worship shows everyone how valuable our God is or isn't. And that may sound like a downer or it may sound like a thank God he hasn't killed us for doing it wrong. I'm thankful for grace. Aren't you? But now that you know what you were doing in ignorance is no longer in ignorance. Now God is saying, time to evaluate your worship. Is it about you or is it about me? Is it honoring you or is it honoring me? Do you actually know me enough to worship me?